Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading for today is found in um, James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. From where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. Happy New Year to you all for those who haven't, uh, haven't had, had the chance to see in 2022. And for those who are here for the first time, welcome to you all. This is a, a different kind of uh, church service that we typically have. Um, When you read through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, when God would have uh, an encounter with God's people, oftentimes God would ask for those people to create a monument. Why? Because we have a tendency to forget what we experience in life. Um, And so oftentimes God would have this profound moment with people, they would create some sort of monument so that when they would walk by it, they would have to remember it, recall it. They would tell it to their, their children what happened there. So for us as, um, as a church, we really don't have many monuments um, to fight our forgetfulness, which is, by the way, one of the, one of the reasons why I get super sad in Austin when a whole city block is taken away and a new high-rise comes up. It's because whatever memories I had in that city block are all gone, right? I'm never going to remember them ever again. Uh, these are the power, the power of monuments in our life. We don't have many monuments in our church, but one, thing is that we, one of the things that we do is we have benchmark moments that we return to every year. And this Sunday is one of those benchmark moments. It's like a monument in time. So once a year, we pause as a community at the beginning of the year, and we consider what has taken place in our midst, what has happened, uh, what, what Christ has done in and among us and through us as a community, and uh, share also not only what's happened in this past year, but also share about what we perceive to be in front of us. So I want to use uh, this moment to share kind of a state of the church address, if you will. So, my fellow Viners. I don't think I've ever said Viners before. That was it. That was the one and only time I will ever say that. You were there. You were there. You heard it. Um, I want to take a moment just to reflect on the last 12 months of what's happened. 12 months ago, we, we had this dialogue, this discussion together as a church over Zoom. Uh, you guys remember that, right? We're still very much there. We might be there next week, to be honest. Uh, And we experienced this discussion that we had, and uh, we had a really difficult conversation as we were recommended by our conference to disaffiliate from our denomination over some discussions that we were having around inclusion, around what it meant to be a church of 
having a posture of being a third way. And so we decided um, in a very kind of somber discussion to accept that recommendation. And even though it was really difficult, we did it unanimously, which was really heartening um, that we were of one mind and one spirit. A little after that, Austin froze, literally. It froze, y'all remember that? In February, when we expect to be coming out of winter, everything froze, and uh, that was super fun. But that was honestly a moment where we as a church had the opportunity to care for each other. Oftentimes in life, we kind of put up these fronts that everything is going okay, everything is fine, but when you can't flush your toilet, when you don't have drinking water, Honestly, we get a little bit more vulnerable with each other. And it was a unique time for us to care for each other and to be the church in different ways. Also, a little more than a year ago, we started meeting outside at Mercury Hall. We began to gather there uh, in a beautiful provision. Lauren, I see you there on the back left. Yeah, the purple bun. And uh, we began to worship together. We were so desperate to, to be together as a church and worship with one another. I remember in that moment... For me, after being um, online and watching services over streaming platforms, the thing that I remember uh, enjoying the most was the sound of other people's voices in worship. And so in that moment, we began worship at Mercury Hall. We began having neighborhood gatherings. We would get together in our different pockets of this beautiful city to get together and to be deep in friendship. In May, we celebrated our church's fifth birthday. We turned five. We officially became... Uh, non-denominational, like kind of independent church, and I was ordained again. <laughs> but this time it wasn't some like outside denomination who had this board that ordained me, but it was you. You as a community um, lifted me up, spoke into my calling, and confirmed it as the vine. And it was an incredibly sweet moment, and it was sponsored by the village people, which was... <laughs> unforeseen and less sweet, but very memorable, very, very memorable. Meanwhile, what was happening kind of beneath the, uh, behind the scenes was a group of people in our church began to gather and discuss, especially in this moment when, when so much of what we have done historically has been Sunday morning centric, we began having dialogue and discussion around what does it mean to be church when we can't gather in worship? That has been such like such a fundamental part of our understanding of what it means to be church. And this moment, that was taken away from us. And it forced us to have these really, this, this really important discussions of, are we missing something by having something, our, our identity as a church so Sunday morning centric? Are we missing a part of our mission? And it led to wonderful discussions around if the goal of our church is to follow Jesus together and to invite people to be followers of Jesus, then that shouldn't just be embodied on Sunday mornings. This can be lived out in all of our lives individually and then corporately, like it needs to be happening in our midst outside of Sunday mornings. And from those discussions uh, was, was the creation of our shared practices. These are the eight shared practices that for us as we consider what it means to follow Jesus Rather than it being some vague idea, this is actually how we're doing it. And so we have four different daily practices, four different weekly practices that we're going to do as we try to habituate a life with Jesus. 
in a life with Jesus together. Because of that, we pivoted our small groups to be focused on these different practices as we continue to deepen significant friendship with one another. And then we moved locations for the sixth time. The sixth time in our short little life together, we found our way here to the Texas Federation of Women's Clubs Mansion, the easiest name to say. I was trying to, it took me about two minutes to remember the, the full name last night. I was like, oh yeah, there's two words that are hyphenate or, or, or have a, uh, a possessive pronoun to it. It's a, it's a very difficult word uh, name to say. Um, but we moved here, we signed a three and a half year lease and we celebrated, celebrated with a cornucopia of smoked meats. Thank you very much, I really appreciate that. And as we got established here, our beautiful team of volunteers figured out how to brew incredible coffee, create a place of hospitality, to care for our Vine kids, to serve our community like we did with our area nurses and doctors who are overworked and underappreciated. And we continued to serve our members who weren't coming here in person with a virtual church option. The Vine, you, you have had to recreate our shared life together over and over and over again with creativity, with faithfulness, with this endurance over these last five and a half years. And I just want to stop and just say thank you. Well done. Well done, community. <clears throat> so that's kind of like the, the, the functions and the busyness of this last year. But what's been happening beneath the surface for me has actually been uh, quite remarkable. In my opinion, this has been the year of maturing, maturation. I find this really interesting. I did a little research. Do you know how long, if we've been around here for five and a half years, do you know how long it takes for like an actual vine to produce really, really good fruit? And I did some research, and ho I was hoping it would take five years. Actually, it's just three, which is super disappointing because I wanted to make a sermon <laughs> illustration point but so, so can I lie for a second? It takes five years for a vine to fully be established and produce really good, like, vintage kind of fruit. But I do think, like, for us, as we have uh, lived and served and found ourselves deeply planted in the city of Austin over these five years, this past year has been a, a turning point, in my opinion. And the turning point is the fact that we have actually grown into who I think God wanted us to be. We have discovered our true identity. It's an interesting thing. When you plant a church and create a church, you have to put together stuff like brochures and pamphlets that have like, fold, you fold and you sit down and you have coffee and a lunch with people and you say, hey, I want to invite you into this church experience. Here's the brochure. We're going to be a catalytic movement. We're going to be you know, really diverse, or we're going to be Bible-centered, you know, we're going to be all these different things, and the reality is we're making it up. <laughs> like, we're just words on paper, and we don't know who God intends for us to be. It's kind of like having parents look over a newborn and be like, superstar athlete, you know, like, because they might end up loving Star Wars, or, you know, whatever it might be. We don't know who this child is, but our job is to care for the child, to, to 
provide safety and encouragement and allow whatever, whatever that child is going to be, however God intended that child to be, to flourish. So it is with the church. And as much as we could have put labels and names and aspirations on who the vine was going to be, I think now five years in, we have been able to stop and look around and go, ah, this is who God created this church to be. This is the dream that God has has had. Part of it is the experiences we've gone through together and what we've discerned Christ is doing in our midst. But it's also you, who God has brought to be a part of this body. You have really allowed us to see who the vine is. And so here we are, and we actually know who the vine is, these distinctives. That's something that we landed on not that long ago. We have these distinctives, and they're not aspirational. This is actually who we see that the vine is as a community, that we are Jesus-centered. There's not a Sunday that's going to go by where we don't talk about a life with Jesus. That is why we exist, practice-based. A life with Jesus is not just theological. It's not just so we think well and we have great dogma and doctrine, but a life with Jesus is lived out. It's actually dangerous for a church life to not be practice-based, to to, to just be theological or conceptual. Why? Because it ends up being hollow. A life with Jesus is demonstrated uh, through acts of love, compassion, and and mercy. Um, Paul would write in the book of Galatians, the only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressed in love. That's practice-based. So if there's not the expression of love, faith matters nothing. You know, that's the stark word that we find from Paul there in that church. So that's practice-based. We're a third-way church, meaning that uh, between the polarized options that our society gives to us, we actually believe that the way of Jesus um, oftentimes comes against those different options by pr- providing an opportunity for a deeper way, a way that's based on a posture of empathy, love, curiosity, compassion, um, that we f- seek to not be polarized, finding that temptation in our world, but find a deeper sense of unity. Uh, we are relationally oriented. What we believe that, G- that God does God's best work in the context of relationships. And so for us as a church, we're gonna be relationally oriented. We're gonna be outward f- focused. If, if, the, if the point of our church is what happens within us without it spilling out to our world, then, um, then it's been truncated. Our purpose, the distinct purpose for our church is that we're outward focused and we're biblically rooted. Even though the Bible is complex and difficult, even though many of us have some baggage with Scripture, we actually believe it's the foundation for much of our understanding of a life with God and a life with, a life with Jesus is centered in Scripture. And so we're going to root our dialogues, we're going to root, root our community around Scripture. So these are the distinctives of our church. And this isn't something we put on a pamphlet hoping that we'll be one day. This is actually what we have discerned the vine to be. This is who we are. And that has been a part of our maturity, is to land there. But our maturity is also, um, what we've seen in this last year, it's been uh, focused on our practice-based spirituality. We have clarified what it means for us to follow Jesus and how we're making apprentices or disciples of Jesus. This year has also been a year of maturity because maturity happens when people go through conflict and difficulty and struggles. It's a byproduct of going through uh, challenging seasons is that you grow. 
You know, it's that old adage of a butterfly. If you help a butterfly out of a cocoon, it will never learn to fly because it's through the struggle. Have you guys heard that? Oh, okay, I just ruined a great sermon illustration for one day. If you help a butterfly out of, out of a cocoon, it will never learn to fly because the wings are strengthened through the struggle. It's through the struggle that they are actually learned and are equipped to fly. For us, I think this year uh, has been a really challenging year, and it's not because of something specific to our church. It's just been 2021. You know, it's just been a very, very challenging year. So it's been a year of uninvited disruptions. We've had many people from our community move. as a lot of people going through a lot of big transitions in their life. As we've lived into our true identity, it has attracted some people and it has repelled other people. People have kind of opted out. And I've also had a handful of really candid conversations with people who they love the vine, they love what we're about, but they just don't know if church is a part of their life anymore. Something about COVID is kind of this experience is kind of just kind of disoriented faith life. And they just don't know if church is, has the same meaning for their, their life and their weekly habits and rhythms anymore. You know, it's interesting. I saw um, Barna did a research, uh, they're a research group, and they came out with this study that showed that two-thirds of pre, pre-COVID church attenders have either not returned to church, moved churches, or stopped affiliating with the church altogether. Two-thirds. That's crazy. We're living in a time of great transition, and it can be dizzying. Yet, in our midst, especially after we look over this last year, God has been so faithful. God has been so faithful Faithful in meeting with us in profound ways. Faithful in providing every needed provision along this, from the space to gifted members. God's been faithful in drawing people who are committed to the vine, who the vine is. I'm just curious, who here is connected to the vine uh, this last year, in 2021? Who here has? So you just look around and you just kind of go, oh my gosh, like we... We have uniquely grown. We have uniquely uh, discovered who we are. And for that, I am so very grateful. So what about this next year? Uh, I think this next year is going to be a really uh, interesting thing. I think anyone who projects what this next year will be is a fool. We have no clue, right? That's one of the things we've learned. Sadly, a year ago, we met with our new leadership team, and I posed the question, what do you hope to be true at the end of the pandemic this year? (laughs) That was my question. It was a great conversation of what we hope to be true when the pandemic was complete in 2021. So many of those things actually have come true, other than the fact that we're still in the middle of a pandemic. Um, But for me, I think this year is going to be a really significant year for the life of our church As we know now who we are, as we have clarity in our identity and our mission, for me, what I think this next year will be about is actually living into it, living into it. What I mean mean is this. When communities, it's like a, like a, a part of group dynamics and family dynamics. When a community is going through a time of, of high anxiety, conflict, and difficulty, the temptation will be to circle the wagons. It's like the temptation when we go through challenges is to hunker down, hedge our bets, 
make sure that we're secure and feel secure, uh, protect our comforts, seek stability. Like that's kind of our temptation. But for the church to be the church, we eventually have to fight that temptation. We must be willing to not have our church oriented around our own stability, comforts, our own, um, our own, our own uh, security. For the church to be the church, we have to follow Jesus towards being vulnerable, towards being other-oriented, towards being sacrificial and, and co- courageously sacrificial for the sake of others. We must be willing to follow the one who did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but who made himself nothing, made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. If you look at the person of Jesus, he, Jesus had every privilege uh, that was given to God, yet he did not use his privileges to protect himself, but he used his privileges to pour out himself for the sake of others to further mercy and justice in this world. He used his privileged position to be a point where he could leverage himself for the sake of mercy and healing and for love. From my point of view, uh, what I, when I look around our community, when I, when I mean my community, not our church community, but around Austin, I see a huge need for the church to courageously reverse how we have circled the wagons. We need to reorient our church and each of our lives individually for the sake of others, to pour ourselves out for others. And the needs are, you know, we we know the litany of needs from the prevalence of anxiety and depression that that is in our midst to those who have been marginalized by the church, from the church, from the needed needed racial reconciliation that has needed to happen in our midst and the the voice of the gospel, how the gospel plays into that, there are needs after needs, the sense of disdain and anger that is prevalent in how we have treated each other. And for me, what I've also seen lately, the desperate loneliness in isolation that people are feeling, this loss of connection to others. For me, when I look around, what I see that this city needs is peace, true peace. Last week, we were doing this uh, prayer experience in place of our service called Hello Goodbye, and it was a guided prayer time. I was praying over this year, and I was asking God about our church. I was asking God, what do you want from the vine this next year, and the phrase that came to me was to go deeper with me to become instruments of peace. Go deeper with me to become instruments of my peace. That part of that phrase, uh, instruments of my peace, comes from a prayer from St. Saint, uh, Saint Francis. And as I, I want to read this prayer, and I want you just to think about our world, to think about Austin, and how this prayer might really be timely for us. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. 
O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. I mean, this prayer is a prayer for 2022. This is a prayer that's meant for the vine, for our church in this moment. For better or for worse, God's master plan to bring peace into this world was through us. God can do it in a bunch of different ways, but his primary way of bringing peace into this world is through the church, through our lives, to sow love, pardon, faith, consolation, joy, and peace To be clear, the church is not the Savior, but we are the instrument in which the Savior has chosen to use in this world. My prayer for this coming year, my prayer for the vine, was that God would indeed use us to be an instrument of peace. Wouldn't it be a great way to look back at this year of, we learned what it meant to be peacemakers, 2022, as a church, we learned what it meant to be peacemakers. In a world full of contention and strife, cynicism and despair, that this was the year where we, we broke free from circling the wagons and we opened ourselves up to this world to be instruments of peace. I want to conclude by us. Can we pray that prayer together? Pray that, if you can, Katie, go back to that slide. Let's pray that prayer together, and if, um, if it resonates with you, to actually invite this to be the prayer of your heart today, that the Lord might make you an instrument of, of your peace. Before we, will you pray with me? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born. We hope you found this message encouraging. If you would like to learn more about The Vine, get connected to our community, or contribute financially to The Vine's ministry, go to our website at thevineaustin.org.